Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. And our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumloops Te Sequetan territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequetan Ulu. And today's text, Love Victor, is set in and around Atlanta, Georgia, the traditional home of the Muscogee peoples. Did I ever tell you about the first time that I saw you? Can we just go back to that perfect moment? You know, start over. Are you sure nothing's going on with you, Ibrahim? There was something between us. I thought we were friends and things got confused. I'm not your enemy, Benji. Well, you're not my friend. I just thought if I acted like everything was okay, that it would be. Oh God, and here's like, oh my gosh, it is too early for this awkwardness. I want to be up front and uh, let you know I'm seeing someone. Water, actually. Wow, that's so great. I'm actually dating someone too. Wow, okay, who, who, who's, who's the lucky guy? It's Lucy. I'm dating Lucy. Surprise. Wow, that is, that is so great. I mean, I'm so happy for you. For us, for all involved. Stop talking. I'm trying, I can't. I knew that I lost you. Raheem. I don't feel great lying to your parents. After the first few times, you get used to it. Everyone thinks that high school romances have an expiration date. I think we are bigger than that. I know we are. I guess it just made me really sad. Really saying goodbye. And Joe, mm-hmm. we have a guest today. We do, because we're covering Love, Victor, so we had to invite Terry Menard back. Hi, Terry. Hi, hi everyone. I'm uh, trepidatious, but excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel every week. <laughs> I feel like in previous years, we've been like, yay, we get to talk Love, Victor. And this time we're all a little bit like, oh, mm. we get to talk about Love, Victor. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's sad. It's sad on a couple different levels. One, because it's the final season of a show that, you know, I, I do think was breaking ground and mm-hmm. had some really interesting characters and was fun and was funny. And yeah. now it's ending. And this is this is how it's ending. Yeah, so folks, we're not going to sugarcoat it. There's some good moments in this final season, but overall, I think the three of us are not incredibly satisfied with the depth of storytelling and some of the narrative concessions that have to come about so that we can get to this ending. And uh, full disclosure, we're going to be spoiling the entire third season. So if you have not watched, we would encourage you to pause and go and watch it. Unless, of course, you would just rather hear our take, because I'll confess, I'm not sure that I would really even heartily endorse these final eight episodes. I enjoyed them. I enjoyed spending time back with these characters, but there's a lot to be frustrated with. Like, Mm -hmm. there are moments in this season where... I honestly wonder if the people writing it watched the previous seasons. Like, this is a throwaway (laughs) example, but there's one point where, because Victor finds, like, a new kid who he thinks is in the closet and he wants to help him, and Victor goes, oh my god, I get to be his Simon! And it's like, you were already Raheem Simon, what are you talking about? We've already done this! Does Raheem even count? What is happening? 
There's a lot of that. <laughs> there is a lot of that, but not not only that, but continuing with what you were saying, Brenna, it also is ignoring the fact that in the first season, Simon, once we once we finally get to meet him, is like out of his depth and talks about how he had to have all of his friends helping mm-hmm. him because he was so afraid of screwing up Victor's life. And I'm like, okay, so you had that, you had Raheem that, that kind of fizzled out a little bit, and now you're doing it again for this kid that obviously does not want to be out of the closet yet like i i I, I do think that there's a lot like i I, i'm not sure if it's the same writers or not but it feels as if it's a whole new slate of writers Mm -hmm. brought in to just uh take it to the finish line unfortunately i am confirming at least the finale episode and i think maybe the season three opener was written by executive producers and showrunners isaac apter and elizabeth berger now whether or not they had the same kind of creative control we don't know uh we spent the better part of today trying to figure out if they knew this was the end of the road or if they were canceled and they had to jettison plans we could only really find some nondescript language that indicated that they always wanted the show to end at graduation, which doesn't technically happen at the end of this season. We end at like a winter carnival, which is really where we started in the first season. So it does make narrative sense in that regard. Mm-hmm. It's a full cycle. But yeah, they talk about how they set out to make a show empowering young people to find themselves and live an authentic life, and decided that ending the series as the characters finish their high school experience felt like an organic conclusion. Season 3 will find the characters coming full circle, as the first season was about exploration, the second season was about acceptance, and the final season will be about self-discovery. And I think that sounds great, and I wonder where that show is, because this is... This final season is not about self-discovery. This is about tying everything with a tidy little bow. Yeah, it's a real shame because one of the things that the show did well in season two, and I think one of the places where we all felt like it was finding its feet was sort of reveling in the messiness of these characters. Mm -hmm. And the complexity of like being human and the fact Mm -hmm. that we sort of never know everything that everyone else is dealing with like that's a real theme in season two and then season three is very much like everybody ends up in a relationship and the end Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's like i don't know to me it's such a disservice to the questions and the challenges and the troubles of season two to have season three be so yeah, tidy is the word for it, right? From super messy mm-hmm. to super tidy and unsatisfyingly tidy. Yeah. Okay, so there are moments where I think that you could make a, a claim that they're trying to explore this idea of self-actualization because in the middle part of it, when Victor is is looking to see what he wants in a relationship, you know, he right. does go on um, a couple makeout sessions, <laughs> I guess we should call yep. them because they're not quite dates. Uh, it's basically he finds a you up boy and you know he decides after discovering that he didn't have an sti that he just got poison ivy that mm-hmm. this wasn't the life for him so i mean there is a little bit of that kind of fumbling around to find out what victor wants in right. life and wants out of a relationship but i don't think a single episode or two that is devoted to that is enough to really say that this move that this season is about self self-actualization yeah and we should note that this season is two episodes shorter than season one and season two so we used to get 10 episodes now we're only getting eight so it does feel like things are really constricted and things are happening simultaneously very quickly and yet also very slowly i found 
almost depending on the storyline, there were certain things like Benji's alcoholism, which is a big theme this final season, right? It's it's the romantic comedy trope that keeps Victor and Benji apart for most of the runtime. And I felt like it was happening in both ways, right? Like it was being treated somewhat seriously because the adults were very much like, uh, this can't continue to happen. Like we need to send Benji out to rehab. We need to reevaluate his relationships. And yet it was so dragged out because they just needed to keep them apart until we could get back to that effing Ferris wheel. <laughs> I was so disappointed too because, you know, the final shot, well, the lead up to the final shot, right? Like to really skip ahead to the very, very end. But to me, it's emblematic of what's wrong with season three in general. Is like mm -hmm. we see Victor walking through the carnival and it's like, first of all, he walks past all his friends who were like all successfully coupled up, but he's like, He's feeling good in and of himself, right? Mm -hmm, like it's the mm -hmm. idea of like Victor actually being able to be in the world by himself, which he has uh, struggled with for three yes. seasons. Yep. And he's walking and he's walking and he walks the Ferris wheel and he says like, yeah, I guess it's just me. Like ticket for one, please. And I was like, okay, all right, go Maybe Victor. the show will do it. Maybe. This is self-actualization. <laughs> and then what do we have? We have Benji. We have Benji. We have Benji. I'm here and I'm not dealing with my addiction. Let me ride the Ferris wheel with you. <laughs> Yeah, it's so cavalier. <laughs> it's and, so cavalier. I mean, the thing is, is we knew it was coming, right? Like we've known yeah. the whole season ever since the season opens with the the mystery of who's behind the door. Who did Victor choose at the end of season two? Was it going to be Raheem or was it going to be Benji? So Brenna started off the season mad. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... Because the, the more interesting creative choice would have been Raheem and actually yeah. have Victor try that and try something different. I mean... I think we all like Raheem, so we wouldn't have liked that for him because we always knew it was going to be Benji. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, this finale, it's just delivering on what we've always expected. And yet that creative, interesting, messy choice to just have Victor end up alone or say, you know what? I'm in high school. Maybe Benji and I will get together later if it's meant to be. But for now, I can be by myself. But no. <laughs> no. You know, I was actually hopeful at the beginning of the season, uh, and I couldn't remember exactly if they had kind of tipped their hand as to if he was outside of a house or whatever uh, mm -hmm. at the end of season two. I couldn't remember. And so as I was going into it, I was like, ooh, it'd be kind of cool if he actually is at the house of like his home and he's like decided, you know, he wants to self-actualize right. and explore life alone for a bit as a, as a, as a queer man. Uh, then, yeah, it's Benji. And it's like, okay, well... This is how the this is how the season can end. At that moment, I was like, okay, so we're gonna have Benji, we're gonna lose Benji, we're gonna get Benji back again. That's mm -hmm. that's gonna be the thrust of this series. And I was I like like you, Brenna, I was very upset that he gets mm -hmm. on this Ferris wheel and I'm like, okay, okay, we're we're subverting the trope of love Simon. Yes. And we're kind of yes. subverting kind of the yes. expectation of the last three seasons, and we're gonna end up on a much more mature note right. that obviously still would have been kind of unwarranted given <laughs> the rest of the season, but it would have been something. And no, 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 
No. And just to come back to what you were saying earlier, Terry, the idea that Victor, you know, when things with Benji fall apart, and then he meets this new boy, and he gives the kind of casual dating, casual sex, casual hookups thing. I thought, okay, you know, we're transitioning between Hulu and Disney Plus this mm-hmm. season, because Disney Plus has finally realized, oh, just because you're gay doesn't mean you're adult content, and the children can see you. But it felt like it was treading into slightly more mature, slightly more adult territory. I thought, okay, yeah, let's give Victor an STI and have him have to deal with that. Okay, no, we're not doing that. Okay, let's have Victor try just randomly dating people or dating no one at all and maybe pursuing something that isn't romantic. And I recognize that Love, Victor has always been a romance show. It's Mm -hmm. always been a bit of a fantasy show. And yet, every opportunity to do something unexpected or just to allow victor to be a queer man who doesn't have to be in a romantic relationship it was like oh no shut that down immediately we can't go there i'm trying to think of a segue to what i want to talk about (laughs) (laughs) well you know what we've hammered that line home so reno what else do you want to talk about I want to talk about my favorite character, Felix. Okay. Now, I think often it's a sign that... So Joe and I talked about this in Heartstopper last week, which is that I'm always a little bit suspect of, or sus, as the children say, um, <laughs> of... <laughs> <Why not>? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always a little bit concerned when media that is about queer youth mm-hmm. really appeals to me as a heterosexual white lady. Who is Don't forget the middle age part. Yeah, that part's important. <laughs> it's important. You're older than me, honey. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but I do. Like, I think that it is concerning how mm-hmm. much young adult media, and particularly young adult queer media, is really actually targeted at people like me. Yeah. And so I'm always a little bit like I take a step back when I really like something. I was thinking about that when I finished season three of Love, Victor, because my favorite character in this season is definitely Felix, right? Mm -hmm. So like in this very diverse queer show, my favorite character is the cishet white boy. And I think that that is probably troubling, but I'm really frustrated with a couple of things in his character. I'm frustrated with the lack of backstory around his mom. Mm -hmm. We had such an interesting exploration of what it is to live with a parent with mental illness in season two. Yep. A story that we don't hear told very often, one that was explored with a lot of grace. Yeah. And then this season, she's just better. She's just fine now. Like, she gets maybe one episode where we see her at all. And Felix is, in many ways, I think by the other characters, expected to have just recovered from the trauma of what he's been through. And, and which leads me to the second frustration in Felix's character, which is I loved seeing him get together with Pilar. Like those early scenes before <laughs> it all breaks loose are really, yeah. really sweet. There's something very endearing about Felix in love. And then they completely betray Pilar's character to give... <sighs> What, to give him yet another tragic story? Like, I don't understand any of what goes on there. And I found it so, so frustrating as a way of using that character, both of those characters, frankly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Pilar's character was a little frustrating for me this season because, A, she got more, the actress got more to do. 
this season, mm-hmm. right? She had a much bigger storyline after kind of being sidelined in season two. But everything that we've known about her felt, again, as if we had new writers writing some kind of, I don't know, yes. fanfic or writing a whole new iteration <laughs> of her character. Fanfic mm-hmm. or like hate fic. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because I'm like, I, why why is she doing this? And the only reason is because the plot dictates there to be you know drama yes. between the two of them. It's not organic. It's not authentic. And it's not pulled from anything in the story other than we need it to happen. Mm-hmm. And that was really frustrating because I, like you, Brenna, I, I did enjoy the relationship. And also, Felix is one of my favorite characters this season. And Pilar has been a very, um, the actress is very charismatic, I would say. And I mm-hmm. think she has a lot of chemistry when she is with other people. And so I was really excited to see her do more. But again, everything just felt pat, as if everything was just dictated. Like we need to just keep moving. Yeah. It makes no sense. Like, no. This is a character who she has fallen in love with over the course of two seasons, right? And she's Mm -hmm. seen him at his absolute most broken. Mm -hmm. She knows the role that her family has played in his healing. And this is what I mean by everybody just expects Felix to be, like, better all of a sudden. It's like everything that we know from last season and everything he's been through is is sidelined so that Pilar can have a hissy fit about being number one in his life. Mm -hmm. And it's... It doesn't make sense for Pilar's character. No. It's really quite cruel because Felix just has to yeah. kind of like accept that. And so mm-hmm. it it has all kinds of ramifications for like how we deal with trauma in the lives of our loved ones. Like it's just really disappointing. It might be the most disappointing thing for me in this season. And that really is <laughs> kind of saying something. It's saying something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we should note that this isn't, you know, oh, a trio of 30 something slash 40 somethings. Um <laughs> complaining about teenagers acting like authentic teenagers no this is completely radical behavior like this is unwarranted by anybody it feels like yes uh writers deciding okay we need to introduce conflict into this burgeoning relationship rather than maybe just letting it play out and say we have a drama free a relationship just one just one because everybody else's relationship is also imploding in every implausible way around them and yet this couple that has been together what two weeks at this point and and folks if you haven't watched the season the gist is that felix ultimately ends up deciding that he would rather not anger the salazars by dating pillar behind their back and when it comes out they get really angry they forbid it and she says well why don't we just have sex because they think we're already having sex and when felix says no i don't want to do that because they took me in when my mother went to the hospital they are my (laughs) surrogate family she says well i guess you've chosen them over me and she breaks up with him and then he has to apologize to her later (laughs) and then she doesn't forgive him and they stay broken up until the finale when everything is magically perfect again it's not even frustrating it it does not make sense no and you know one of the things that also frustrated me about their their dynamic is also armando Mm -hmm. pilar's father because Mm -hmm. One of the things I've appreciated about the previous two seasons of this show is the way that it kind of interrogates things where it'll bring things up and it will it will admit that there is issues or it will it will it will compare things. Mm -hmm. And so when we got to this part where where we have Victor going around and basically, you know, having Having casual sex. sex, Yeah. 
with this random guy that he's meeting. We have him escaping in the middle of the night to go hook up. And then we also have Pilar. And there, I think there's something that could have been interesting to, to be said about the way in which Armando is, you know, trying to protect his princess, whereas mm-hmm. boys will be boys. But the show brings it up and, like, suggests it by comparing, by having the two things happening almost simultaneously. Yep. But it doesn't interrogate it. Nope. And that's another way in which I think this season is failing its characters and failing to be as authentic as the previous two seasons were. Also, oh my god, the Armando-Pilar scene, first of all, wasn't expecting to have to deal with a pregnancy loss storyline yeah. of Victor. Thanks. Didn't see yeah, that coming. That was wasn't, wasn't braced for it. And also it's incoherent, right? It's like, I don't want you going out and having sex in case you get pregnant and you're really, really happy about it and and then have a miscarriage. Like it's, again, it's like adult consequences, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, that actually doesn't make sense as a thing that a father would be worried about. Well, and it's frustrating, too, because it's presented as though it's from a culturally specific angle, right? Like, they're Mm -hmm. saying, oh, well, because of the cultural background that Armando is coming from, there's the machismo, there's the protecting of daughters by fathers, boys are free to run fast and loose. And it's like, okay, but maybe do more work than that, because that's something that me as a dumb, dumb white guy might say, hmm, I've heard this stereotype. And I would expect the show to say, we're going to push further than that. We're mm-hmm. actually going to explore it, like you said, Terry. But they don't. They just raise it. And then that's the rationale for introducing this conflict. And really, then it doesn't even fall onto Armando anymore. Like, we barely even reconcile him and Pilar. It just becomes, you know, Isabel saying, mm, maybe you should be a little bit nicer because our parents had to put up with this from us as well. And it's like, cool, all is forgiven. <laughs> okay and joe you bring up a good point because i i do think that there might be some kind of you know cultural thing there that maybe the show is trying to explore but the problem is is that they already did that with armando in the previous two seasons where mm-hmm. he was the macho man who punched out you know his boss aka the person that his wife was you know having an affair with but then he is also the first one to accept uh victor when you know he comes out of the closet mm-hmm. and so we have that kind of reversal of, of um, flipping the script and interrogating that and also kind of poking holes into that kind of idea. And now it's back if, in full force again, as if no one watched the previous two seasons. Well, and we undercut it by having Armando yet again punching someone uh-huh. as a way to yep. solve a problem. But this time, Isabella's like, oh, ha ha ha, like that's cute. Like, Armando's growth gets completely undercut between the Pilar storyline and the punching people storyline. And again, you know, it comes back to this idea of like, it feels like the architects of season three either don't know or don't care about these characters at Mm -hmm. all. Yeah, and I would extend that, like, I mean, I think the show is doing a lot of its actors dirty by not giving them good material to work with. So I do think a lot of the residual goodwill or even like the scenes that work is because of the power of the actors Mm -hmm. i think james martinez doesn't come off well this season because this is all he gets to play in season three now anna ortiz who we basically sung the high praises of in season two because she gets the absolute best media storyline she's mostly relegated this season like she still gets a little bit about going to church and being made to feel bad by Nia Vardalis of all people in a one-off <laughs> <Random>. cameo. <laughs> and 
even that though it doesn't quite satisfy because it's just it's too brief and we gotta move on and it's only one episode i will say there's a couple of really good moments between the parents and i think especially when isabel has to apologize to victor to say like basically i feel so guilty for not accepting you sooner and for it Mm -hmm. taking me this long and when they have that chat on the couch and he's just like can I just tell you what's going on in my life? Cause I'm not okay right now. I was like, the storyline isn't good enough, but these two actors are mm-hmm. so good together. It felt like it was recapturing some of the glory of season two. I actually really liked their interactions this season because we've, we've reached a, a point where Isabel has, you know, fully accepted Victor and is trying to go out of her way to be, you know, to make up for and kind She's of be the, the Uber, yeah. right. The Uber mom. And Victor's like, okay, mom, I get it. Just let me, just let me be. But she mm-hmm. feels so much guilt over the way that she reacted and the way she treated him last season that she is overcompensating. And I, I, I really enjoyed their scenes together because Victor is just like, yeah, I get it. You, you're good. We're fine. I appreciate this you know, let's move on. And she just, she can't. And I think that's an interesting dynamic there that is helped apart, uh, helped along because they're such good actors in this, in the, in these roles. And we've built up a lot of faith in their characters. And that, so that's one of the moments that I did, I did actually appreciate. Now the, the resolution of Armando and Isabel, you know, him (laughs) punching out a new boss and her saying, Oh, it's okay. Is we get the reveal in the final episode that they've just decided to start their own business and they're going to do it together and everything is going to be hunky dory. We're not going to have to worry about money problems. So that's my gentle segue folks into what are we doing with class this season? So I have previously applauded the show for its willingness (laughs) (laughs) to show different experiences of class. And I think this is often particularly strong in season two in the interactions between Lake and Felix. Lake's just inability to understand the world Felix comes from is, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really well done in season two. Season three, I guess they're just bored of that because (laughs) (laughs) instead what we have is suddenly for a family that has literally relocated for work we have unemployment being no big deal and then starting a small business as an electrician is also just like a thing you just do Mm -hmm. with like no contacts in a city you moved to a year ago and i feel like braver love victor like season two love victor would have given more time to that decision but of course we're two episodes shy here and we don't have as much interest or time for the parents in general Mm -hmm. so instead we just get this like i i I don't know i guess isabel's downloading a copy of canva and like going for it like (laughs) (laughs) even though we've never seen her work in this medium before she is a piano teacher folks yeah no she's gonna do social media and bookkeeping and it's like oh okay (laughs) i mean i feel like that hand waving is emblematic of a lot of the issues of the way that the season is wrapped up a lot of the storylines because it's Mm -hmm. all about for for a show that that begins with the very classic distinction between felix and victor and the rest of their friends group that lives in literal mansions Mm -hmm. and are gallivanting across the country and across the world we have that and by the end of this episode we have the fact that neither of victor's parents have you know a steady job that's being hand wave hand woven away that they're going to you know 
have a successful business. And then we have um, the story with Lake and Lucy, where it's basically Lucy is going to become a kept woman in a (laughs) mysterious apartment in the city. Which we've never mentioned before, by the way. We've Mm -hmm. had like nights where we've been like, how are we getting home from Atlanta? And this apartment has never come up before. Right. That is the solution for for Lucy's very real and I think very um, emotional story that she tells Lake about why she wants to escape. And all of a sudden, oh, don't worry about it. My mom's rich. We have an apartment. Problem solved. Mm -hmm. And then we also have the the solution between Mia and Andrew where Andrew's like, I'm going to fly out every weekend. I'm like, okay, money. (laughs) I know plane tickets are less expensive in the U.S., Like, I understand that, but every time (laughs) there's one point where they're like, let's just go. Oh, yeah. When the baby's born. And then Andrew's like, let's just go for the weekend. And Mia's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, what is happening? I don't understand. Yeah. 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 And this is on top of Mia literally just staying with Lake and her mom. Oh, uh, (laughs) because we've got two instances of emancipated youth just walking away from the adult parents in their lives who would be responsible for them as though you just simply pack a bag and say, cool, I'm going to move in with the rich girl. I'm actually fascinated by Mia's storyline here because the whole thing at the end of season two is Mia standing up for herself, coming to Mm -hmm. her own defense in relation to her father and saying like, I need you to choose me. Like just once, I need you to choose me. And we leave season two- so satisfying too. Yeah, we leave season two feeling like, okay, like Mia, you did. (laughs) And then then Mackay Pfeiffer wanders back and he's like, actually, I took that job. (laughs) Like I'm going. And it's like, why? (laughs) Why did we have all that emotional buildup? And then for Mia's character to turn around and be like, Oh, actually, now that you've had this baby, mm-hmm. I want to be a part of this family. It's the family I've never had. Finally, I'm happy was also like, I got whiplash from that storyline. Well, and don't forget that we're introducing Mia's absent mother in the first episode. That's where Mia's sort of cliffhanger journey ended in season two. It was like, fine, dad screwed me over. We're going to go see Tracy Toms, my mom. And... Mia makes another one of these bizarro ultimatums a la Pilar. We should have seen it coming, I guess. But Mia's like, you need to move back so I can live with you or else our relationship, which I spent two seasons caring about, is back off the table. And Tracy Tom says no. And then we never see that character (laughs) again. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I also actually think the most insidious part of of her storyline is the fact that we have spent all of last season having to deal with Mia wanting her father to put her first or wanting Mm -hmm. to think about her family. And then we have a scene where her dad tries to tell Andrew to basically, you know, look out for your own life and and ignore my daughter. (laughs) Listen, I'm great at it. It's really fun. I've been doing it for years. And that's how, and that's kind of how it ends. Like, as much as we want to put like a little bow on their relationship, it's not going to work out. Long distance is not going to work out for these two. And she is also, again, once again, being left in a situation where people are making decisions surrounding her Mm -hmm. and influencing her and and affecting her situation. But she has no (laughs) real say in it. And they try to spin it as if, you know, she's making the choice of family over Andrew. But Again, we have all these people basically plotting around her to make her be by herself and not find love. And that's, I don't know, it's it actually made me really sad when I was oh, thinking about it. 
Yeah, her storyline is the saddest. There's the scene where uh, Mackay Pfeiffer takes Mason Gooding's Andrew away so under the auspices of like, we're going to get takeout so we can talk man to man. And yeah, they hatch this plan. And Terry, I don't know about you, but I was like, I've seen this horror movie where men <laughs> yes. sneak away and decide the fate of a woman. And then she hopefully murders them later on <laughs> as retribution. So that that was super weird. And the end of this season, I was like, okay, if we have to get Victor and Benji together, because that is our happy ending for the protagonist. Sure. Okay, I'll accept it. I don't actually care, but fine. Why couldn't we have had Mia say, you know what? I need to do this for me. I don't think it's going to work out, Andrew. Again, Mm -hmm. maybe in the future, if it's meant to be, we will reconnect. But for now, I'm leaving and we're done. Like, why couldn't we have one person advocate for themselves and end up alone? It doesn't have to be an unhappy ending just because you're by yourself. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) So frustrating. Um. I would like to ask both of you to comment while I sit here with my mouth shut on the award for gayness. Could you please both comment? <laughs> it's a on bravery the award. award. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Terry, I hated this initially, and then when we were writing our review series, which folks you can find the links to if you want to see Terry and I maybe more eloquently write some of this out. I don't know why you guys always say it's more eloquent when I'm not around. You say that every time. (laughs) It's because you're erudite when you speak and Terry and I are better on paper. I don't know. Anyway, you could find the links in the show notes, but I didn't like this initially. I thought it was badly handled. I thought it made Raheem kind of look bad. Like it made him look jackassy. And then I read Terry's piece and his take on this and it fully changed my mind. So Terry, I'm going to kick it to you. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I actually went through a, a variety of emotions while watching the episode surrounding the bravery award. One, I was confused because I forgot that he actually played basketball. <laughs> cause we oh, haven't yeah, seen it all part. season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cause I, the last I remember, cause again, it's been a year since we watched season two, but the last I remember is I thought he quit the team mm. and I guess maybe he gave, gave, went back to it. I honestly don't remember, don't but it's, it's uh, never mentioned again, and it hasn't been mentioned at all in this season until what episode is this? The sixth episode, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, like, almost penultimate episode, we are finally going back to him being in sports. So th- there was that. But, uh, you know, I think initially I was like, okay, we're really going to do the gay award. This is this is what we're going we're, we're gonna to have. And I was fully on Victor's side. But also, I do think... It's difficult because I I was in the closet for a very long time of my life and um, I could be very straight presenting. So a lot of the times when I had um, gay friends that were coming out of the closet or were in the closet but being made fun of um, and being called slurs, I didn't have that issue. I had other issues. People, you know, made fun of my weight and all that kind of stuff. But being um, made fun of for being queer uh, was not one of them. And I was able to pass a lot. And so I think there's that interesting dichotomy because, of course, Raheem can't. Raheem is, you know, he's a fashionable dresser. He knows the, you know, all the the kind of... He's got the lingo. He has the lingo. He has the look. He has the voice. He has all of these characteristics that are more traditionally feminine and what people think of when they think of a queer person. Mm-hmm. And so he isn't able to pass. And so his life is a lot different than Victor's has been up until this point. Right. And so the fact that that we have this award celebrating queerness and celebrating the fact that he is out of the closet, I think makes, makes a bigger 
message than if it were to him not to, to not to take it. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm talking in circles at this point, but it just, it really, <laughs> I don't know. It, it actually worked for me a lot better than I initially thought it was going to, because I was like, yeah, it was easier for me because I mean, it was difficult in other ways, but in terms of like outward presenting, it was easier for me than it would be for someone like Raheem. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important to talk about. And so I, I actually appreciated the way that that episode kind of handled that and unraveled the problematic aspects maybe of having an award that is just because you happen to be a gay person playing sports. Yeah. And I think the show does a good job of initially presenting the award as a, oh, this is what a kind-hearted but ultimately badly informed straight ally might think like oh why wouldn't you want this award for being gay and it's kind of like well i'm just being me like brenna it actually reminds me of the discussion that we had in wonder because that's actually how that book ends as well and i like that kind of undercutting of you know what we don't need to give people awards for being who they are but in the context of love victor you're right terry it's very much i think it's also an opportunity for raheem and victor to heal the rift which i wish they had played up more you know it's almost a facile confrontation where raheem says you didn't pick me and that really hurt and like most of the characters raheem is done a little bit dirty like he really doesn't get much to do this final season so this feels juicy Uh, by bringing them back together playing off of this some can pass some can't and it also feels like a fitting conclusion to Raheem's storyline which is that he's constantly forced back into the closet when any relatives visit and then on top of that we also have Michael Cimino just killing this speech Mm. this to me was the most affecting part of this final season I could have scrapped the entire winter carnival scene where everybody is presented as happy because this speech rang so true to what Liv Victor has been about and what I really wanted more of in this final season. Yeah, absolutely. I also agree. (laughs) So we've managed to avoid talking about Benji. Do we want to talk a little bit more about him? Do we have other things that we want to praise, maybe? Well, there is something I do want to praise. And I, I, we're going to kind of go back to talk about Felix. But one of the things I appreciated this season, well, I appreciated the entire, the entire show. But this season, I think, leans into it a little bit more, mm-hmm. is the platonic love between Felix and Victor. Oh, it's mm. so good. It's it's so good. And it's it's a way to show... Because there's, there's obviously no romantic feelings between them. And it's not no. like, a, you know, it, sometimes I feel as if us as queer people, whenever we see two men be affectionate and be intimate together, um, we want to see that it's like, oh, the one person is closeted and really, you know, has feelings for the other one, right? Or right. something to that to that degree. And that is so not the case in this, in this um, situation. But... It also has moments of intimacy that um, are surprising to me. Like I loved the moment at the STI aside mm-hmm. when 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 Victor is like afraid that he he's itching himself and he is afraid that he has something. He goes takes a look in the mirror, and Felix's response is, "Well, first of all, congratulations for what you're packing." <laughs> and then he follows it up by saying, "That is a mean Wang." And I'm you know it's one of those things that could be kind of funny in terms of. He is appreciating the size that, that Victor has. But on mm-hmm. the other side, it's also the fact that, oh, my gosh, you have something wrong. You need to go take a look at. Yeah. But 
we have that. We have him leaping into the room and jumping into bed with Victor and being like, so what's going on with your, with your Nick? Did you see him last night? You know, he wants to hear about all of his lusty affairs. He calls mm-hmm. him a wanton wanton. He's like, he's talking about this as if they're just two guys talking about their sex life. And if it was a, you know, guys talking about girls they're with, you know, that is something that we see all the time in, in media. But here we have a guy who is obviously straight curious about his gay friend's sex life and i think Mm -hmm. that is really healthy and really good to see yes hard agree in general i really like when male friendships are shown to be capable of intimacy because Mm -hmm. we so rarely see that in media um but i also think that not to beat the dead horse but (laughs) (laughs) but the importance of the salazar family to felix is is so significant. Like, they're basically brothers, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's part of what is so frustrating about how that storyline ends. Because what we want is for that family to remain intact. And there's this rift that isn't really resolved at the end of the series. And I think it's a shame, right? And the other thing that's upsetting is when Pilar doesn't really tell Victor what it's all about. And Victor's like, well, I'm always on your side. You're my sister. It's like, but that's, yeah. it's actually more complicated than that. And everybody knows it except the friggin' writers. <laughs> yeah. As I said, I think a lot of the goodwill for this season is carried over because we like the actors. Like Anthony Turpel has been such a bright light on this show. You know, Isabella Ferreira, we, we wanted more of because we felt like she has it in her, like, the characterization wasn't there, but that wasn't a fault of hers. You know, mm-hmm. we talk frequently about how Rachel Hilson is so emotive and like we really feel for Mia, even when her storylines are often the kind of jankiest. Similar BB Wood, who we haven't really talked too much about as Lake. I mean, I, I was frustrated with her storyline for almost the entire season, apart from the fact that at least we were finally getting some queer female representation. But mm. even that it felt like a pale shadow of what we were doing with the guys for the most part. But like all of these actors, you know, when I hit play on season three, I was just like, oh, right. These actors are so good together. And like seeing Anna Ortiz back on screen as the mom, I was just like, oh, I remember season two when she was so good. Like she was so captivating. And I really feel like that's one of the benefits of having this serialized show. Like I'm disappointed it's ending with season three especially because of the way it ended up being executed. This doesn't feel like the season they either wanted to give us or they could have done better maybe with a few more episodes or if they could have had another half season or something. But like my affection for the show is still there. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's why we're all coming down hard on this is because the show still has all that potential and all these great actors. And yeah, these writers are just like, they're pooping the bed. Well, this is the thing. There's nothing here that is egregious, really. There's nothing here that's like capital P problematic. There's nothing here that's particularly harmful, maybe with the exception of Mia's relationships. Mm. But we love these characters and we want more for them. And I think it's doubly frustrating that this is the end because we do want to know more about these characters and we do want to see them succeed. And we do actually want to see them self-actualize in more than blurb form. Mm -hmm. And more than romantic ways. Yes. 
I want to know what happens to Felix. What does he choose to do with his life after everything he's been through? Like, there are storylines here that are not about romance, and I know that the show is at its core a romance, but even romances acknowledge that the characters have lives outside of being in love with each other. And if this really is the end of the road and where they're heading off to in the future, I am enlightened about the futures of none of these people. No. <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm so curious, what is Mia going to do apart from spend time with her baby stepbrother? Like, what does the future look like for her? <laughs> yeah, it, I, what I was thinking, particularly while writing about the show, is when it's trying to do something more, I guess, meaningful or be a little bit more adult, mm -hmm. it is packing way too much in what is what is essentially a 24 minute episode. So yes, yes. the scene where we get a little bit more about Benji's uh, flashback, it's episode five and we see Benji practicing his guitar and his father comes in and his father's like, Hey, uh, the iPad synced to the family cloud. And there were a lot of pictures of shirtless men, pantless, mm -hmm. pantsless men, lots of naked men <laughs> on your laptop. And, you know, and that becomes like a, Oh, Thank God, I'm not against gay people, but I never thought my son would be because Benji says that he's not gay at that point. It was Lucy, right? And so we have that, and that continues throughout the episode as we see a little bit more, I guess, insight-ish into Ish. why Benji was drinking. But again, this would have been an interesting episode to have entirely about Benji if this was an hour-long show. Right. And we could have unpacked it a bit more. Instead, it's these little tiny scenes that don't do much except kind of propagate like some bad queer i mean bad mm -hmm. queer representation is, is a weird thing to say because i think all representation regardless if it's messy if it's clean is fine but this idea of oh i'm gay i'm gonna drink yeah and that is that is all it that's all it is it's too cause and effect it's too facile right and the fact that we're trying to crunch that into what is essentially kind of another meet cute between in quotations lucas and diego aka benji and victor flirting with each other unknown mm -hmm. that it's the other person on grinder using false names uh so the fact that we're having this meet cute and we're sort of having that aspect of it while also trying to unpack benji's complicated past in a 24 minute episode just does yeah. not work and i think anytime that it tries to reach a little bit beyond that kind of aspect of it i'm also thinking in in terms of the the random miscarriage plot that gets randomly yeah. dropped Jeez. anytime it tries out to do those nowhere. kind of stuff right out of nowhere it's it's not there's not enough time to fully unpack that and so it's just like here's a scene we're moving on mm -hmm. well and i wonder too if part of the reason that we're struggling with this is because we have just seen a romance show mm -hmm. about queer youth done arguably better yeah. So can we say that Heartstopper has also affected our enjoyment of this season? Because it feels like even though Heartstopper to me feels younger, like it's not tackling the complicated, darker, messier storylines that Love Victor is trying. At least it's executing its own storylines uh, seamlessly, effortlessly, charmingly. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's a very charming show, and it's a lot of fun to watch. I do think that, you know, as we talked about in the episode, there are darknesses and messinesses that the show basically kind of steps aside from, which may come to future seasons. We don't know. And I'll be interested to see how it handles that. Mm -hmm. But I think that, yeah, I mean, that show is extremely charming to watch, and so too are all the characters. And it is frustrating to then turn around and watch a show where the characters are charming and we like all the actors, but 
the there isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I watched Heartstopper, and then because we had advanced screeners, immediately started watching Love, Victor. And to say that it was, like, deflating <laughs> is, is sort of, like, underselling it. But, I yes, Heartstopper is incredibly charming. It's incredibly maybe sweet. It's incredibly, maybe it skews a little younger. But I also think that it does have some adult content to it that is done in maybe a little bit more like holding the hand kind of approach with mm. the idea of, of sexual assault. Yes, it's a kiss, but it's unwanted in Heartstopper. So there's that aspect of it. There is, you know, the fact that we have a character that's dealing with a closeted romance who then is also dealing with another person that is trying to come out of the closet. So I think there are some adult things in there, but regardless, it feels more authentic. And it felt, it brought me back to what I loved about the original first two seasons, in particularly the second season of Love, of Love Victor, where it felt even though it was young adult, even though it was about kids and about messy teenagers, it felt authentic to the characters. Yeah. And so to go from that authenticity that I loved in Heartstopper that just made me weep and cheer and be happy and be sad and think about certain aspects of, of childhood queerness and teenage queerness, to go from that to what we get in Love, Victor Season 3 is just, it, it was, it was like a pop that balloon type of thing like <laughs> it was okay well i don't think we need to belabor the point too too much more but shall we try to tackle some kind of rating for this season we don't rate things when do we start rating things <laughs> it's because terry and i had to rate it for our written pieces so well, i'm not we rating already... anything <laughs> <laughs> I don't even rate things on Goodreads. Get out of here. <laughs> okay, so we're not going to do that. Uh, if folks want to see how Terry and I rate it, you can go and read those written reviews. Where we're so much more erudite. <laughs> and Dauntless. There we go. Oh, God, please, no. Are we, are we doing my bingo? Bingo! Not a good bingo. All right, Terry, you're first. So Joe makes me let the guest go first so I don't take all the spots. So did you want to start? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> honestly, I think Rax to Riches is appropriate because of the way the show sort of hand waves any sort of class issue that it was initially starting with. Well, the Salazars apparently don't worry about money anymore. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to have that one. I'm going to definitely put that one in there. Okay. Um, there is a Netflix connection because a character does mention, um, is it? I think it was Victor who was watching um, Emily and Perry. Oh, he was watching yes. Emily and Perry and not even the good season, as Issa <laughs> said. I don't know which is the good season, having watched both of them. But... Uh, <laughs> Having been that gay watching uh, that show. Um, so there's that we have is, is a road trip is, is flying across the country. Is that is that mm -hmm. a road trip? I would give that a road trip. The last minute impromptuness of it all. We have two things of stunt casting. Yes. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that really jump out at me. I'm going to unfortunately give hollow romances to Pilar mm. and Felix, which breaks my heart to say I was so looking forward to that pairing. But there we are. Yeah, it starts like a legitimate good romance, and then it just evolves into a hollow one. 
And I'm definitely going to give good friendship to Felix and Victor. I still love that. Yeah. And I would, if they wanted to spin off to just a show about the two of them living together in university, I would watch it. <gasps> I would too. Please, <laughs> please do that. Please make this this season not be the last and focus on that. That's what I would want to see. It would be go. super fun. Uh, yeah, Joe, you go ahead because I'm looking and I'm not sure. Okay. Um, well, because Raheem is a true secondary character on mm. this season, I am going to use the queer secondary character tab. Okay. I'm going to go with musicality, even though I think Heartstopper does it better. This show still does good things with like music and also, yep. I would say, montage. It's worth noting that they do prioritize LGBTQ performers on the soundtrack. So yep. that's something to think about, too. And then I'm going to go with house porn because we have a oh whole God. secret city apartment that we've never even <laughs> talked about before, folks. But honestly, house porn in general, like even the apartments that Felix and Victor live in are like, mm-hmm. I've lived in way worse apartments, let me just say. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah. And then I think we feel like it's unearned, but I imagine folks who are less cynical than us would look at that final episode at the carnival and say mm. that that is everyone's perfect date because everyone is matched up. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that does give us a line down the middle. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay, so before we say where we're going to head next week, hopefully to Happier Pastures, uh, Terry, thank you so much. If people want to get a hold of you, how would they do so? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram that I'm sort of trying to be better at, but not great at, uh, mm-hmm. at Gaily Dreadful. And since this is posting in June, if you want to help uh, support the Transgender Law Center. Uh, we are running a um, fundraiser for it. So if you follow my account or go to my account, you can see the link to the fundraiser for that aspect of it. And I'd love to have all the support we can get. And I'm sure Joe will put a link in our show notes too, so people can find that easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yes, everyone, please go and support Terry and his very worthy cause. We are trying to collect as much money as we can before the end of June. So make it a happy pride. Now, Brenna, if people want to get a hold of us, how would they do so? Well, you can find us on Twitter at HKHSPod or on the hashtag HKHSPod. Joe, if they want to find just you, just to send you pictures of Benji, Mm -hmm. where do they do that? I will take pictures of the floppy hair cute boy, yes. So I can be reached at B, still on my remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray, that's Gray with an A, and our email is hkhspod at gmail.com. And you might particularly want that email to get in touch with us about book club. Book club. You have like, how many days left do they have, Joe? Not many. Uh, yeah, so folks, if you want to squeeze that in, you've got two days if you're listening to this episode as soon as it drops. So that is a reminder that we're doing Wetlands by Charlotte Roche. And our next book club episode, if you're reading ahead, is Cousins by Virginia Hamilton. And uh, if you want a heads up on the next full-length text, it's The Sky is Everywhere, and it's very recent Apple TV adaptation. Mm-hmm. I have literally no idea what that's about, so uh, <laughs> Siblings, I'm to find out. death, drama, it's a Brenna pick. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> so until next time i will see you on the page yes and i will 
see with the pervy screens because uh, don't forget <laughs> folks we're actually covering both the book and the film for wetlands so get your your pervy watching on too and terry will see you on twitter and uh that's it from us take yeah. care <laughs> bye Well, and it's frustrating, too, because it's presented as though this is a culturally specific... And I was thinking about that when I finished season three of Love, Simon... Or, <laughs> and the other thing that's upsetting is when Pilar and Felix are fighting and Pilar doesn't really tell Simon what it's all... Simon, I keep calling him Simon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't help but wonder, too, if part of this... Where was I going with this? No, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs>